Hello listeners! Before we delve into this episode, I would like to point your ears towards our new intro and outro music. The lovely ladies of Hound's Teeth composed a special track just for us and we're so incredibly honored to have it open and close each episode. Thank you Hound's Teeth for this new tune. If you want to hear more of their beautiful work, you can check them out on Spotify and follow them on Instagram at Hound's Teeth. Welcome to the Femme Fatale podcast, where we interview some of the coolest female-identifying folks in film. In this episode, we have the honor of speaking with Ava Young, Femme Fatale filmmaker and now team member at Femme Fatale. Ava and I went to high school together at Tobacco School of the Arts for the film program. Since then, she has spent a few years at SVA New York studying film. And since COVID, she's come home to Toronto and is now working as a production assistant on a Netflix show filming in the city. Her film, Sunrise, played at the 2019 Femme Fatale Film Festival. Tune in to hear more about her journey from high school film student to getting her first job on a big set. So, hi Ava, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so, would you like to take a moment hi. to introduce yourself? It's like I'd a to. really, <laughs> like a terrible icebreaker. <laughs> um, so, I'm Ava. Um... I, Astrid and I went to school together, we went to ESA, and we're in the same film class, um, mm-hmm. Boys and Buddies, um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of hers, big deal, always happens, <laughs> but yeah, I really only started making films uh, once I joined the film program, other than like iMovie trailers, but, which is a great way to start, and then... I guess it kind of took off while I went to ESA and I really enjoyed it um, and got to do like a cool fun festivals and stuff like that and then I decided I wanted to go to film school Um, so I applied to god knows how many and I got into the one I really want to get into SVA in New York so I spent two years there the past two years there um, in their film production program I guess that's what it's called which was amazing, but, <laughs> and a little thing called COVID came around, <laughs> and basically all our classes went online for the second half of the semester, and now they're fully online, um, and so I decided to take a leave of absence that might continue for more than a leave, more than a year. At the moment, I'm not sure, I'm just kind of exploring my opportunities, um, I'm working at like a PA right now um, and I'm back in Toronto uh yeah that's me that's awesome that's quite um yeah that's quite probably quite a relevant journey to a lot of people right now <laughs> I'm really curious like I, know. I was just thinking as you were talking I was like yeah I should definitely interview somebody who because sadly you're not in the festival this year I feel so <laughs> bad if you want to send me a film uh, honestly, I just got the list so, so no, please well, do honestly I I like the stuff I made in film school, but I don't know. I just, I wasn't super proud of everything I made, I think. And yeah. I feel like there's nothing worse than like pretending. Yeah. To be proud of something or submitting something you're not like fully proud of. Um, well, why weren't you proud of your work? Like what made it different from making films at ESA? Was it different? Was there, I guess the question um, is, is there something that was, like, different about making films at ESA versus SVA that made you less proud of your work? Or was it just, like, because of the time or just because of what you're creating? Oh, totally. There was such a big difference. <laughs> um, I think 
like to talk about ESA first, uh, there's a huge emphasis on like creativity. Like no matter how fancy your camera is or how long your film is or yada yada, like it's it's about the story, I think, and the meaning, uh, which does translate to film school as well, but there's obviously a much larger emphasis on the practical aspect of it, which is probably to me like the most intimidating part of the industry. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I went from like I guess a big fish in a little pond to being a little fish in a big pond <laughs> where everyone there is incredible and has super fancy cameras and like already like directs like rappers music video. There's a lot of those people, by the way. Uh, that are directing video rappers directors. music videos. Um, <laughs> and I think also it's plain and simple. Like when you're paying a lot of money for school, there's a lot more pressure. Yeah. Um, I just felt a pressure that, like, I had to be amazing. Like, I had to live up to other people's expectations or probably more my own expectations, um, which was not the right way to approach it, right? Because, you know, both ESA and any film school offers you, like, the opportunity to experiment with really no risk. That's, I think it's really hard to make a film outside of school. Mm-hmm. Um just in terms of cost and equipment and crew and um, on like a small scale and a large scale. And I think because I felt so much pressure, I just like over overthought everything. Right. <laughs> um, I learned so much, but it's, I think it's hard when you don't have like a product to show how much you learned. Yeah. Um, I like hated, still hate my first year, like thesis film. Not oh, thesis really? Film, final film. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of the second, like, the other films I made that year. Right. Um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You right, also you just ended, you ended ESA with, like, such a strong film. Like, I was so in love with your last film. And it was, like, so we were in the film program together for four years. And at the very end, we have, like, the grad gala where basically all of our films were screened at the TIFF Bell Lightbox in downtown Toronto. So it was, like, pretty special to be there and everything. And I remember, like, your mm-hmm. film playing in... Did it play last? I can't remember. But yeah. I do remember... Okay, it did play so. last even, yeah. It was, like... So it's called Sunsets, and it's all this, like, very... Like, it's a very, like, nostalgic saying goodbye kind of piece. And I just remember, like, the emotion in the whole audience. Like, everyone <laughs> needed that and also was feeling it. And it, like, it, like, was... It was just, like, so perfect for that moment. And I remember almost feeling like, too, like, oh, my God, you're going to go off to university. Like, it, that must be so crazy to try to, like, continue to have that <laughs> special of, like, a small, like, you know, like, it's easier to make art sometimes when it's, like, everything's just kind of small. <laughs> like, there's not as much pressure. Yeah, but exactly. But, it, like, it wasn't a part of your portfolio to get in anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, I loved that experience because it just really felt like, make like the thing you want to make and like the yeah. biggest thing you want to make yeah um I I, you're right like even that like small taste of success like I don't know I think it got to me not got to me but I, I just felt like an immense pressure and I was really proud of that film I still am yeah but it was film. kind of one of those moments where like the stars aligned and like I just I knew what I wanted and I knew right. what I wanted it to look like but I think I was just like chasing 
that again just choosing the way I liked it and the way it works right um which obviously isn't gonna happen for everything you make yeah Um, but that's so hard too (laughs) that's so hard to deal with like that idea of like I think that's I think about that a lot just because I'm not really making films anymore after ESA of like I just wonder what my experience would be like trying to make a piece when I don't have like I would just I feel like I would be so frustrated if I didn't feel like I had the freedom I needed to like make it <laughs> like yeah, if I felt restricted totally. I would just be so frustrated I wouldn't know where to start like I think that that's definitely exactly. yeah and the hard part is like I feel like when you come up with the film idea like I want to make a film about this or I want to make a film about this or mm-hmm. At the same time, you can have a really strong opinion about that, but you can have no vision. I think that's what I struggled with, is I was like, I kind of want it to feel like this and look like this, but I had no clue what the story was. Or I, w- I knew what the story was going to be like, but I had no clue how I wanted to shoot it or right. um, what I wanted the tone to be. Um, and like for sunsets, I knew exactly what I wanted the whole time. Like I had the vision. Um, and to be honest, I don't know if that's something you work towards or if that's something that just like hits you on the head. Right. Um, but I guess I wanted the pieces to come together that easily and I never, I never really got there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what's your approach to filmmaking normally? (laughs) Like if you're told like, okay, you need to make a film in six months time. (laughs) (laughs) What, like, what, where do you start? Where do you start to get your ideas? Yeah, I take the term, write what you know, very literally. (laughs) I tend to only write about, I guess, young women or when I was a teenager about teenage girls (laughs) and either like struggles they're having with identity or coming of age. Um, So I definitely start from like a very introspective place. Um, That being said, like it's hard to write about something you're going through when you can't even like comprehend it yourself sometimes yeah and like films have helped me comprehend what I'm going through I felt that way for sunsets um but a lot of the times like I don't have the answer how am I supposed to write like how am I supposed to write an ending to the film yeah I'm I'm struggling with right now (laughs) yeah yeah totally I feel like that's kind of a I I, so I just recently like went through the the full curation for the festival and like watched everybody's films and it's really interesting to see where it it feels like that's so often the case when young people are making films especially and making art in general I think is the same is like you're working through these things but sometimes you don't necessarily have the answer and it's really interesting (laughs) to see people either like try to just solve it or just like leave it up to the audience like I don't know honestly you need to figure this out too yeah which is kind of fun (laughs) yeah oh god I find endings are the hardest part really yeah absolutely my most satisfying endings are I don't really know what it is in particular about the filmmaking but like an ending where it feels like the director knows the effect they've had on you as an audience yeah like I totally felt that for Moonlight too I just think Barry Jenkins is like a genius um so I feel like Mm -hmm. Moonlight did that and like Le Bonheur does that as well like a lot of Vardis films does that um I just love that sort of like yes I did get you like I did make you like you know whatever it is like I made you question this or that or like I made you reflect or I made you cry or I made you smile like 
I know that I had that power and that was my intention. Yeah. I kind of like yeah. like feeling the power of the director in that. And like very self-aware. Yeah, totally. And it, yeah, it feels like the film had intention and wasn't just making you do the work. Like. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the first question I normally start off with is how would you describe yourself in three words? Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. This is like when you do those what's the get to know you game? Two truths and a lie. Yeah. And I'm out I'm like, there's nothing cool about me. Oh no. Definitely um, not true. Okay, That's your lie. But if you do have something cool too, you like, I can't say that. I can't break. I can't be that person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel that. And then some kid comes up and is like, I know ten languages and you're like, Okay. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say I like peanut butter, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, oh, three, okay, three words. I'd say I'm sentimental. That would be number one. I'm very, I think that's why I make films as well, because I attach too many emotions to things. Um, and I mean, that's kind of like, I think I'm an overthinker, maybe overanalytical. Um, in, again, I attach too much meaning to things that keep me up at night. (laughs) Um, to the point where it's maybe a little de- self, you know, deprecating, um, but all all this helps me be creative at the same time. Right. And okay, number three, I think I'm, I'm pretty independent. Um, mm-hmm. I think more in terms of I like to do things alone a lot, or I like to run things by myself. Um, and I work best by myself, um, mm-hmm. which I mean, I think that also came into play when I was in university. Is that like you basically have to have these massive sets, right? Not mm-hmm. massive, but bigger than high school. And in at ESA, like I could pretty much shoot everything by myself. Um, maybe you needed someone to like hold the microphone, but for right. the most part, like it was all you're doing which was a lot of work but I liked that because then it felt like everything was my vision um collaborating's great no doubt (laughs) but I yeah I think it's harder I I find it difficult to communicate like right Mm -hmm. um what I want beyond filmmaking I find it difficult to communicate my emotions Mm -hmm. um oh three words so those are my three words what did I say (laughs) <laughs> you said that you're independent that you're an okay. overthinker and now i can't remember what the first one was sentimental sentimental okay okay i was gonna say I, nostalgic but that's not quite it that's my final answer i submit those yeah okay good cool yeah. okay. <laughs> perfect yeah i find it interesting i hear it like that from a lot of filmmakers saying that they have a hard time expressing themselves outside of film like, I, I think that's kind of curious that people just sort of, like, find their niche and they're like, yep, this is how I can communicate. <laughs> Everything else is still complicated, but this is good. <laughs> I know. Um, we've already talked about your work a little bit, but um, if you want to give, like, a brief description of what kind of work you did there at ESA and then what you were doing as well at SVA, um, all the whatever all the yeah i forget what those are called you know (laughs) acronym and then also we talk about so i always ask all the question which no one else is familiar with but you went to esa so you know what i'm talking about um but like asking the question of like what is the questions that all of your films can be summarized by or like the sort of thesis that you're 
asking over and over again for portfolio okay. day like do you remember what you said for that oh my god <laughs> or if I or mean, just what you would say now yeah the stuff the themes i focus on again like a lot of them have to do with young women or adolescent girls um and like finding a sense of identity or i don't know trying to articulate like what's unsaid between the friendship or in life really. mm-hmm. um god that was a really like meta pretentious <laughs> interpretation of my own movies um <laughs> but i mean they're they are always really personal to me and i think the ones that are most personable personal sorry, <laughs> um are received the best I also think they come out the best they're what I'm most proud of mm-hmm. um, both in grade 9 and grade 12 um, my final films are like super personal and I think they're my best work to come out of high school as well mm-hmm. um, I guess boy this is hard to articulate I think maybe that was my problem in school, honestly, is that there wasn't an overarching theme between mm. all of us. I was maybe trying to be something I wasn't, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, they say the only way to make good films is to make bad films, so mm-hmm. I don't regret any of it, like, at all. I don't regret making the movies. Mm-hmm. I got to work on really amazing movies. But this question you talk of... Um, <laughs> overarching question I mean we were kind of talking about how so many people in film have struggled with communicating their opinions or emotions and I think that might be like the overarching theme in my films as well Mm. um, what goes unsaid right Mm -hmm. and that you regret not saying or how you communicate in like an alternate way and the empathy that comes out of that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always, like, the most rewarding part of movie making, I think, is when someone talks to you about your own film, and they're like, oh, like the exact same thing happened to me. Or, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like, that was me and my friends, or something like that. Um, so touching on, yeah, I think what goes unsaid in life, though it, like, stays with us all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because that also seems to be a reoccurring theme. In some sense, maybe this is just for me, but I feel like filmmaking is like the question, but also the answer. Because like there, like you were just saying, like you can talk to people after screening your work and you're like, oh my God, yeah, I had the same experience or like that made me feel what I felt all these years ago when I went through this or like there's something that sort of brings up an emotion that you can't necessarily articulate in another way. And like, I feel like... I feel like filmmaking is an immersive experience. <laughs> I'm gonna sound so pretentious now, but like it, it, it really hits you from like a bunch of different levels at once. And then you get this like very unique sort of, yeah, there's a very unique experience in watching a film, but you are able to like connect and relate to the director for this like, you know, five minutes. Yeah. And then that kind of goes yeah, away again. I an interview with um, a woman who she she's from Toronto I believe she directed a film about domestic abuse um which has obviously always been like a really taboo subject and Mm -hmm. I think people feel like they can never talk about but she said 
like people love to talk about movies right? mm-hmm. people love to talk about things that we can't talk about in our real life um because it's I don't know too hard or people get uncomfortable but when you talk about it in like the context of a movie for some reason we can accept it yeah there are two things that I wanted to talk to you about a little bit more just because like I know a bit more of like the experience you've had and I feel like um I can get into more of the details of some things that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast yet one of them is editing because like we did so much like really like critical analysis of our films and like crazy editing sessions where everyone's like giving you feedback and so I think something as like a kid in filmmaking for me was that like at the beginning I was so reluctant to take any feedback and I felt like it all was sort of just like any any like I I felt so personally connected to my work that when people said Mm -hmm. like oh you know you should like cut this shot like two seconds shorter I was like oh my god (laughs) I have like failed um yeah exactly so I thought it would be good if we could like talk about that because I think that might be helpful too for young filmmakers of like how do you deal with the emotions of editing and also how do you like look at your work critically and then um if you are interested in talking about getting a job that would be really cool because then we've got the full story of just a gal making stuff up about Alien (laughs) four years ago and now you are getting your way into the industry and just starting out and I think that's super cool yeah that's fine feedback like editing and feedback yeah still kind of feedback in in any capacity and like if you like the dinner I made like I will be hurt if you don't yeah (laughs) um well I feel like that's kind of inevitable like I feel like it's okay to be hurt like honestly I feel like I needed to hear that a little more when I was younger of like you have just poured your heart out into something like it's okay to feel that really personally Mm -hmm. but you also need to like separate yourself a little bit so that you can just like cut that two seconds off that shot (laughs) Yeah, and I I think I eventually learned to grow some thick skin, especially yeah. in after high school, because it's, it's the dog eat dog world up there. Right. Um, but it's more like you need to focus on having confidence in your own work. Even yeah. If it's forced, even if um you aren't super proud of it, um like you worked really hard on it, and yeah, it, you know either came from a personal place or you spend a ton of time on it and like it, it is something to be proud of um also critique is good mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is and it's good to get that objective critique because eventually you are going to send it out to an audience like you mentioned like you have no clue who it is mm-hmm. um and they will be even more critical of your work <laughs> um so yeah like learning to separate yourself from I guess the personal content of it to me like the films I'm most proud of are not the ones that did the best but the ones I was the most self-assured about right Right, yeah um and even if they didn't go really well (laughs) if I know like I really cared about the message or the writing or I don't know I love that shot like that gives me enough confidence to not feel totally, I don't know, disheveled after someone says they think I should cut it down a minute or something like that. Right. Um, also, like, keeps you humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we were talking about editing, right? Editing yeah. Work. 
Yeah, like, what's your process when you're washing your own? Because I think another thing that's really hard, and we'd always say at ESA film, like, you got to kill your babies. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, when you're editing your own work, they'll end up being pieces that you really, really like. Like, how do you kind of separate yourself also from, like, I guess when I was editing, I felt like I had to, like, separate myself from my role as the director and just be like, okay, let me look at this objectively, if possible. Mm -hmm. And, like actually think about what's working what's not like how do you how do you approach that process and what part of that like do you have any tips maybe my biggest one is I try to envision the editing before I even shoot the thing Ooh, that's interesting when I've just shot a bunch of you know over the shoulders and whatever a bunch of shots um and then they all like figure it out in editing and then there's like no vision when I sit down (laughs) Um, and start going through all of it. And usually I find a way to make it work, but I think you never get that, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is it, or like this is exactly what I saw. In school though, like I started, um, I would get other people to edit my work actually. Yeah. Um, because they could have that objective perspective. And it's amazing because then you can go in and say, well, I want this to be this way and this to be this way. But then mm-hmm. they can see something I think that you couldn't yeah especially if you get like stuck in your ways and you don't want to change or it's not turning out the way you want it to but you want to try anyways so I found that really helpful uh yeah Hmm. yeah that's kind of interesting too because I feel like um I was talking about this with someone else as well but like I feel like there's kind of there's some something golden about making a film all by yourself because you're like yes Mm -hmm. I accomplished this thing and it was all me but there's also, like, even when you're just making a really small budget film just, like, on your camera with your friends, it's I feel like it's really good to figure out which one of your friends has which talents and, like, mm-hmm. just invite them to be part of it. And, like, you know, everyone use their own, like, do their best of what they're best at. Yeah, that's really interesting because I feel like I'm, I'm, I do really wonder if, like, a lot of people's process for what people think of when they start their films because I wonder if a lot of people are also are thinking all the way through to the editing stage or if people are just sort of like starting off with the shots and ideas and are like okay yeah I want this imagery or this idea to be Mm -hmm. conveyed but not necessarily because I think it's a good it's a good it's a good piece of advice um so I feel like it'd be great to hear from you about like you've you've played your hand in like going to film school you did that you saw whether or not that was for you and now you're gonna be I mean obviously you haven't started yet but like how like just even from the emotional perspective like how does it feel to now be at a point where you're sort of like I think this is super cool and exciting that you're like dipping your toe into the industry and like you're starting off pretty much where people start off which is awesome mm-hmm. um and yeah what, what are your big dreams what do you what do you hope what do you hope will happen <laughs> yeah I mean and maybe you can tie it in sorry maybe you can tie it in as well to one of the questions I like to ask which is like what advice would you give your younger self so maybe like along with that yeah (laughs) big questions if I told like my younger self that I had dropped out of university she would have like dropped dead um I was very much like a live by the book kind of like I up until grade 11, like, planned on going to business school, basically. Really? And practical, right? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I think Portfolio Day and at ESA kind of changed my mind. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like me a month ago when I dropped out was not exactly keen on the idea. I feel like people kind of talk about their paths in filmmaking is either like you go to film school and you get your connections there and then you work in the industry or you like go to film school and you don't like it and you drop out and then you just like put your foot mm-hmm. in the industry or you just like go for it and try to get into the industry <laughs> right away um literally the only thing you talk about in film school is whether or not you should be in film school <laughs> really um, that's so funny and there there are a lot of people who dropped out the first semester first year yeah um because they have enough connections or they feel like you know they can make it without i think i went to new york a little naive first of all like working as a non-american is practically impossible right Um, that's like one little caveat yeah Um, i think i started to realize like I mean, Toronto has such an incredible industry Mm -hmm. um, and so much opportunity and so many amazing directors and um, artists. And I think I started to realize that after I graduated, I want to come back. Mm -hmm. And when this happened, I was like, well, I can just come back now and kind of have a fresh start here Mm -hmm. because it's like where I want to continue. Honestly, I'm really excited to like have a full-time job I don't think I said that yet did I no you didn't it's full-time like while we were recording <laughs> oh I don't even know if we were recording when we talked about the job so do you want to give like a brief overview of what you're up to yeah so I spent I've been back in Toronto for a month and a bit actively looking for jobs in every which way I could I've you know they say networking is important man is it important <laughs> all I've kind of been doing is um calling people, asking for their advice, like, um, you know, subtly asking for a job. Right. Um, it's hard. I think getting the first job is the hardest, right? Yeah. Because as much as I have stuff on my resume, like, it's a lot of student shorts. Right. Which apparently they don't like to see, which I was like, really? what's the point of film school? <laughs> um, so what kind of stuff do you have on your resume also, just in case anybody need some resume yeah. advice i have so at the top i have basically any um, production assistant work i did mm-hmm. in school i did a lot of um art direction and so when i'm applying to any like art directing jobs i put that i kind of have a different like resume based on what i'm applying to mm-hmm. under that i have i worked kind of like a as a social media manager producer at my school last year oh cool okay um and then i worked at tiff i think last summer um cool running like their their youth program so i put both of those um i try not to like load it up with you know my camp counselor experience <laughs> for pa ones i try to put like a lot of admin work right right you know i know how i proper like phone call etiquette stuff like that right i don't know if it's working like you tell me (laughs) and then i also like put any festivals i was in and then kind of (laughs) i always put my driver's license it's really important for everyone Mm -hmm. everyone Um, wants to know if you can drive people around yeah uh i say i know how to write call sheets and sides that's you know, is that the whole truth? Maybe not. <laughs> That's not the point. 
Um, also, a lot of people that have reached out to me looked at like my Vimeo or my website mm-hmm. and saw like the films or the stuff I had made. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting. A lot of people actually care that like you're a filmmaker or that you care about it. Oh, that's that, good. You know, I think he's trying to get on set to like meet a famous person. That, like, right. You think it's cool. Like you actually, you care about it and you want to be in the industry. It's crazy. That's awesome. Right now there's actually a lot of gigs to be like a COVID PA, which is interesting. Interesting. Um, so I got two interviews to be a COVID PA. What does that mean? Um, I like... wanted them to be more of like uh, assistant, like personal assistant, PA. COVID PA, honestly, I think a lot of it is like screening people and cleaning and right. people are wearing like PB, um, PPE. Right. Um, but yeah, so I went and got my COVID test today so I can start work soon. Nice. I'm really excited. That's so cool. That's going to be really yeah. awesome. And so in terms of your, like, we didn't really talk about that. And maybe, um, maybe this is also a good question of like, what are your, like, I don't, you don't have to have an end goal, but like, what, what are your like goals in filmmaking? Like what, what draws you to filmmaking and what would you be interested in pursuing later? And like, how does like starting off in the industry in this way fit into that for you? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I mean, I think like I feel like everyone does but I kind of shifted from the I want to be a writer director to more I want to get movies made right um I mean the dream would to be a producer of some sort Mm -hmm. um and I think like with those skills you could also produce your own work (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because I really do like writing and I still you know do it in my free time but yeah, I think film school is awesome, but I didn't really get to know a lot about being on like a real set and how the real guys do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I talked about this before. How like when you leave high school, you like have to make a really big decision to what school you want to go to or like what you want to study. Meaning like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. So I wish I could have told like my younger self that that is so going to change mm-hmm. um and it's okay that it's going to change mm-hmm. um and in some ways like it should 17. change yeah exactly yeah you're so young <laughs> what are you supposed know. to know yeah yeah it's like sometimes you're sometimes even if your path shifts that doesn't mean that it'll completely rewrite and like it all the experience you've had before will still be relevant exactly and like I don't regret literally anything I did ever that's so good regret going to school yeah I don't regret the bad movies I made (laughs) um yeah yeah that's awesome that's that's what you hope for um and then I guess one of the things that we didn't really talk about and just looking at the questions again is like being a woman in filmmaking I know you've made a lot of films about being a woman or about young women like you were saying I don't know if there's anything you wanted to speak to about that if you wanted to answer one of the questions or just like share some of your thoughts um yeah I mean I think uh like my my womanhood to put it that way um is super prevalent like in my filmmaking and in my career Mm -hmm. um and I think 
for the better. Like I really enjoy that part. Like I get told a lot, like, oh, this this is the best time to be entering the film industry as a woman, right? Because mm-hmm. of who are you told you that know, by? What happened in the last few years um, with like uh, the Me Too movement? And, yeah. You know, looking for equal representation on set, um, which I I somewhat agree with. Um, I've never like been I don't like discriminated because of um, my gender mm-hmm. um, but I think I'd be lying if I said like you don't notice maybe like an attitude or a behavior that it, I'd still like kind of consider it a boys club mm-hmm. um, I think I often just get grouped in with other women or other women directors which is like a compliment when someone's like oh you remind me of Greta Gerwig (laughs) (laughs) that is quite the compliment (laughs) yeah but I think because of because of the boys club women tend to be attracted to working with other women Mm -hmm. right and then you I think fall under where a stereotype gets put on you that you make like women-centric movies Mm -hmm. um uh which like is never the case Mm -hmm. but even in school like it's it's nothing obvious enough to point out Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but it can be little things that kind of irk you the way like profs treat you um the way people talk over you (laughs) Mm -hmm. um little things like that i'm sure you know people face much um worse discrimination but I mean like I was saying like it's such so much of like my identity as a woman and um is like intertwined with my filmmaking Mm -hmm. um and like I'm really grateful for that Mm -hmm. and I'm also grateful for like the working communities that come out of it Mm -hmm. but it's a a weird topic (laughs) yeah yeah, I feel like it is interesting that um, that you say with, like, the compliments and stuff that people are sort of like, oh, you remind me of, like, that one woman I can think of in filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, great. Exactly. Like, to be compared to Greta Gerwig, like, to be honest, I can see the comparison between, like, you're both making oh, totally. exactly. films. Yeah, you're both Just making films about, so like... like... I can't even begin. But... Yeah. But at the same time, you sort of question of, like... And, and it is definitely frustrating, too. Like, I remember at ESA being like, okay, I'm only going to make films with, with women in them because I'm frustrated that that isn't present. But then it also ends up being that you're only making films with women in them and you're categorized. It's like, this is my lived experience, but then it's categorized as a specific kind of filmmaking instead of just being like, this is just my lived experience. And of course, yeah, I feel like there is also like, I've definitely also had a lot of privilege of like not, I haven't really worked in the industry either, but like, had a lot of privilege of not having had that much overt like sexism or discrimination being a woman in filmmaking um but I feel like it's important to talk about those like kind of non-direct experiences too because I think a lot of women who um even when you do have success there is like a discomfort and it feels unfortunate to me that we would experience discomfort in like an industry that we or like in a in a medium that we love or like you know like I feel like it's still yeah. important to be like yeah it's still there just so we know that it's there and that we're not all crazy 
Exactly. Yeah. And like even, and I'm sure like um, people of color face this so much more, but I like recently I was hired on a set where I, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but I'm uh, rather certain I was hired as like the token woman because of the content of really? <laughs> the set. Yeah. I think it would have been inappropriate to have an all male crew. Um, right. Uh, obviously, like, I was just grateful to get a gig. Um, but it that just kind of points out that, you know, the answer is not just hiring people because they're, you know, because of their ethnicity or because of their gender. Mm-hmm. It's, like, rooted in the actual system mm-hmm. and, like, which stories you tell and who you hire and you know executive positions and in directing positions and mm-hmm. in cinematography positions and that like just throwing anyone on set because you need more representation like isn't going to fix the problem yeah definitely definitely um yeah it's a crazy it's an interesting crazy world out there and that's why i hope in some ways that i can I'm glad to be able to have these conversations and I'm glad to be able to just like have a place to talk. Um, But I think it's really great to just like hear from people who are working and like, I think everyone, everybody who's listening should definitely check out Ava's work. Um, You were always like a huge inspiration of mine during our years of high school. Um, And to see, I think also like, especially in the program where we had all male t-shirts to see other young girls like working through their own like you know working through their own path in filmmaking and for me I was like I was so inspired by everyone else in our class who was like succeeding and doing great and people in the older grades who were doing really well too and like they became my mentors because you know I didn't I wasn't represented by our teachers of like there wasn't a, <laughs> a female teacher to look up to so I was just sort of looking up to my peers which I think is kind of I know kind of it was kind of sad because I was kind of like I would love to have like an adult to to like be inspired by but then also it was it, I think it kind of led into femme fatale in a way and I think there was sort of a magic to it of like realizing that we're all um we're all just doing it like you know it's so yeah. cool to hear that like you you're you know we were in high school together being these like little kids with some big cameras and like now you're heading out into the industry and that I've been talking to other people who are like doing the same thing like yeah super cool <laughs> makes me Honestly, excited ASA film creates some badass ladies like yeah I know in the class they're like killing it yeah yeah it's pretty incredible yeah and I hope yeah. that other people like I hope um I know that we're very lucky to be going to a high school and like studying film in high school and like having just even access to like a camera and everything because there's some people who like you know wouldn't necessarily I, I don't even know if I knew what a boom pole was before mm-hmm. I like went into the equipment room um but like um well okay those are all the questions that I've got um for you today um the one last one that I always ask people is is there anything you want to ask yourself or is there anything you want to ask me um oh well I think what I've always admired about you Astrid because I could go on for days um is I feel like and 
maybe you feel differently, but like I've always admired how well you balance and like also prioritize your creativity or like your passion for film with your other interests or with school. And I like genuinely found it so like admirable when like I found out you're going to McGill um but you were still like involved in like in my media for example and I, I know you're not with them anymore but you run you still run femme fatale and like i what's your what's your secret on balancing that because i maybe what i'm nervous about right now is like losing that creative drive right that's honestly like a a really great and funny question because um I definitely don't see it like that. Um, and have been like, no, 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 like, I totally see what you, and then that's what I've been, like, coming to, like, coming to realize over the past few months, is that, like, I, so, so I was, when I, like, graduated, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, like, done with filmmaking for now. Like, I, like, I'm done, and I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna be, like, in the academic world and, like, see what that does for me. And I always kind of told myself, like, I'm going to study gender studies, so I'm really interested in um, learning more about the way the world works, and that will eventually make me a better filmmaker. Like, I did sort of had that context for it, um, but then once I got there, I was kind of like, you know what, maybe filmmaking just, like, ain't it. Like, it's not that's not gonna I'm gonna go in the like direction of like politics or something um and then I just like kept like kept coming back to filmmaking like it's just like like I don't feel like it's a purposeful choice it's become this like yeah. insane like I just can't stop <laughs> like <laughs> like this like you know I already have so many of these connections that I'm so like you know working at my media was just because like I was friends with Tristan and he was like hey, do you want to be part of this? And I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Um, but then I started realizing, like, this year especially, like, you know, I'm taking a course on Agnes Varda right now. Like, I'm I'm more actively icon. choosing. Sorry? Icon. Sorry. Yeah, total icon. Oh, my God, no. It's been such a fun course to literally just study a feminist filmmaker. Um, but I've realized now that I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is just, like, such a big part of my life and like I think also I I just I genuinely get so much out of being I see it more of like I get so much out of being part of creative communities it's not as much about like me being creative as much as like being surrounded by people who are being creative and like absolutely I have such a drive to be connected to artists that like I I think that makes me more inspired myself because I'm just like I just need to be around people who are thinking critically and imaginatively and like who are just like really fascinated by the world um yeah you don't yeah like you're just saying you don't have to be the director to be a, an artist like you, you any part of being in film I think is to be an artist and any yeah. part of like being in art is to be an artist if that's how what you want to call yourself like I think whatever inspires you and makes you want to continue to inspire others like that's just that's part all part of the process or something Mm -hmm. yeah well thank you so much for being on this episode of the podcast and for sitting down and chatting with me for a good a good amount oh my god we've been talking for a long time okay yeah (laughs) sorry for keeping you for so long This is a very fun interview. Wow, this was so fun. Um, See you soon. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Thank you so much again. Have a great evening. 
Thank you for listening to the Femme Fatale podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Femme Fatale Film Festival. This episode was recorded by Astrid Moore and edited by Rianne Sabroka. The music is courtesy of Hound's Teeth, who made a custom track just for our podcast. You can check out their other music on Spotify and follow them on Instagram at Hound's Teeth. I would also like to extend a huge thank you to my lovely team, Naya Hofer, Temple Ray, Jana Jaradat, Rianne Sabroka, and of course, Ava Young. And to everyone who has been a part of Femme Fatale over the years, thank you. Signing off for now, catch us next time chatting with another Femme Fatale.